That's okay, too, but it, when I'm, I am a DCM from District 13, very lucky district. I like that number. And we're a new district, and we're kind of starting out a little bit, and we don't know exactly for sure what all we're doing, but we're trying. And there's some advantages about being new. We don't have to look back and say, well, we did it this way last year or two years ago, or it's been done this way for the last ten. Let's keep it up. But I, I was very unhappy Sunday. The conflict was over money. My feeling is that I am a trusted servant, and if I am going to vote monies from the individual members and groups in my district, I don't like to be railroaded. And I felt like I was railroaded a little bit. And I feel like I don't go out and blow money. Now, my husband might say differently. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> we might have a difference of opinion there. I don't like to go out and, if I'm going to be a trusted servant, I, don't, I want to feel like I am responsible for the monies entrusted to me. And um, it wouldn't hurt if we took a little inventory, Corky. It wouldn't hurt if we just sit down and kind of got together and discussed some things. Would you like to comment on this? Do we have any further comment on the depth of a group inventory at the state level or at the group level? I have another question that has been submitted. It said, would the committee approach help group provided sponsorship to newcomers? I don't quite understand the wording of this on help groups if the person who asked the question was referring to maybe a community action bit or a mental health situation it has not been my experience to run into those particular groups knowing a heck of a lot about sponsorship or even suggesting it I won't go any farther into that I get I get unhappy and I, I I really get mouthy on that. If it is from a treatment center that they are referring to as a help group to provide sponsorship, all I can do again is relate my own experience. When it became time for me to go back into the normal world and try to live a normal life from a treatment center, that treatment center was quite kind enough to get on the telephone at my expense and find me a sponsor. And my sponsor was here just a minute ago. I haven't leaned on him very much of late, so I don't keep as good a track of him as I used to. Besides, he's a big boy and he goes his own way. That's why he got to be my sponsor. Sponsorship to newcomers. You know... Oh, there's my sponsor. I wasn't looking very good. He's sitting over there. Hi, Rosie. 
I, uh, sponsorship is one of the greatest services that there is in, now one of many great services in Alcoholics Anonymous. But to be a sponsor to a newcomer is, to me, wonderful. Because to get a new individual and see them get over being shaky, to see them begin to get a program, is very rewarding. And also when that pigeon slips, can make you go back and look at your own program and see how come. As I say, sponsorship is one of the great services of Alcoholics Anonymous, and every new member should have a sponsor. As far as a health help group, and thus they are quite well acquainted with the program and have the availability of, of the people that they might get involved, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a hard answer on that. I know that it's very good for a newcomer to pick his own sponsor. And I don't mean sponsors. I talked to a man, he's had a slip. I said, what did your sponsor tell you? I've got four, and this one said this, and this one said this, and this one said this. Hell, if four ain't enough, get six. One of them's going to tell you what you want to hear. Get you a sponsor. And then pay attention to that a sponsor. And if he don't like what you... You don't like what he tells you? Pay attention. Maybe it's something you should hear. And if there is too great a personality, tie up, hang up, go hunting. Find you another sponsor. But if you can fall in love with that sponsor, get rid of him. He ain't no good for you. And this is my own belief. If my sponsor couldn't make my feelings hurt and make me wake up a little bit, he's not doing me a favor. Nor if I have a pigeon and I can't do something for him, I'm not doing him a bad favor. One of you people have something on the help group or a sponsor? The help group on, uh, on the sponsorship is, is kind of a, a question in my mind, and the reason I wanted to visit with you a little bit about it, my idea, relating to my own challenge of, of my program, Sponsorship, who needs one, was my attitude for a long time. And this is the reason I feel that I was stunned in my growth in this fine program, because I wouldn't allow myself to have a sponsor. I didn't want to let them know what kind of a person Charles was. So if I didn't have one, I didn't have to disclose what a rotten fellow I was. But when I elected to have a sponsor, I not only had one, I elected two, just as a trial and error method, not to challenge John's one. But I thought this one sponsor was a little tough on me, and I'll find one that's not so tough. And I found two that thought so much alike, you would thought they were comparing notes some 250 miles apart, and they didn't even know each other. So good sponsors think alike, and they all do a job. 
and they are a key part of my life, which I am ever so grateful to both of them because I have relied on them and they have not been a bit easy on me. One of the things that confuses me, and today, and we need this group of people, and there are the treatment centers. And it's a very important part of our daily living, our daily recovery program of, of those that are coming to join us. I find so many, many times that people come from a treatment center without a the knowledge of what should I have a sponsor? I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean, sponsor? Uh, well, tell me about it. This is something that a lot of them are not allowed or not taught in treatment centers that they should have a sponsor. The treatment centers get them dried out and turn them out into the world, and uh, hopefully the AA program will do the rest. Some of them are not so, but... I've come across a lot of them that are coming in our area that have no idea what sponsorship is. They don't know whether they should elect one. They thought they were supposed to have one. They've never heard of the thing. So this is the thing that, that just bothers me something terrible. I'd like to have a little comment from the floor on this, or maybe some of the other panel members will share with me on this. But it's, it's something that the individual AA group could spend a lot of time finding sponsors for the people that come out of treatment centers. But if they were a little more knowledgeable when they come out of the centers, it would make the people in AA's job so much more comfortable. Stoney? Can you hear Stoney? Watch, come on up, Stoney. I think you've got a good point. Well, I was, I was hoping that there would be some other people here that would share with us uh, how their group handles. I realize that a, a group can't pick a sponsor for someone. That person, sooner or later, is going to want to choose their own sponsor. But I think that, uh, as Charles mentioned, that a newcomer coming out of treatment a lot of times is very confused about sponsorship. And quite frankly, I think we have a hell of a lot of people been in AA for a long time very confused about sponsorship. Because uh, I hear a lot of comments about, uh, well, I used to have a sponsor, but I don't need him anymore. <clears throat> and two, I have two words that say to that, and that's BS, and those are their initials. But anyway, I think that uh, I've talked to a lot, of, a lot of new people coming in the program, and they're very unclear about sponsorship. Maybe... And I'm just thinking about our own group. That, uh, we could have a committee that would say, hey, until you decide to choose your own sponsor, this guy's your sponsor. Temporary type situation. I don't know what, what your feelings are on that, but I'd like to hear some feedback on it. Well, I think different groups approach this in different ways, and I feel like would be whatever your group conscience would be. There's certainly nothing wrong with appointing a sponsor to a fellow or a woman that first comes in until they find someone of their own. I know I was told my first meeting, 
to get a sponsor within the first week. There weren't that many women in Hastings when I first sobered up. But I found a very good sponsor. First thing she told me was, she said, if you want me to be your sponsor, you do exactly what I tell you to do. And I did. One of the problems I find is that people don't know how to be a sponsor. They don't know anything more about sponsorship than the person that's coming in and wanting to have a sponsor. Had an incident happen here not too long ago where a fellow said to me, well, we got a new guy in the group and I'm the sponsor and he's been in a month and he hasn't called me yet. And the first thing I said to him was, well, have you called him? And he got kind of a blank look on his face and he didn't know he was supposed to do that. There are workshops around the state every once in a while on sponsorship. North Platte had one here a few weeks back. That might be something that the state committee could put on in one of their workshops. I think they did one time, didn't they? Didn't they? We have something on sponsorship. Maybe we need to go into it in a little more detail. And that is something the state committee can do. And maybe it's something that we ought to, ought to do a little more of because I know this is a question when you get a lot of people coming out of treatment and they don't really know that much about AA to begin with and they still have their umbilical cord tied to the treatment center. It's kind of difficult sometimes to wean them away and to make them realize what, how serious sponsorship really is to their program. I'm sponsoring a fellow that uh, didn't get a sponsor for six months. My husband and I are both sponsoring him, by the way. And he didn't get a sponsor until he'd been out of treatment about six months, and he thought he was going to get himself in trouble. And he felt that he should have had a sponsor right away, and that was the fault of the group. We did not press the issue, and that is, I think, a group responsibility. I believe when I was discussing this other topic about the state committee, Mike, did you have a comment? You had your hand kind of going up and down. Oh, okay, yeah, you have one for here. Would you stand? Hi, Ernie. Right. And our one primary purpose is to carry the message to those who suffer. Well, I think when we're talking about sponsorship, that's an area I can't uh, stress enough. Uh, this is something that, uh, uh, as a district committeeman for this district, uh, I have discussed with Dick B and I think this is more or less your question you mean help groups cooperation with like uh, treatment facilities or anything like that okay okay 
at the group level too then huh? yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah I believe it'd be a good idea definitely uh, just to relate a little bit about myself I came out of uh, treatment treatment here in Scottsbluff and I think for me uh, my ego manifest something called false pride and that made me made it hard for me to reach out for help when I needed it but it damn near got me drunk and so I had to learn the hard way I had to get knocked down a little bit uh, to where I could allow someone else to help me I believe that um that sponsorship is a two-way thing. I believe there, uh, in our 12th step, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, trying to carry a message, um, I believe there's more to it than uh, just sitting back and uh, waiting for the telephone to ring or waiting for uh, someone to come over, you know. All I really have to do is to try to be able to put myself in their position back here a little bit and identify with the feelings of insecurity and the fears that I had upon first coming into AA. I believe that oftentimes, and in my case too, coming out of treatment, I had a difficult time making a transition into the AA program. I was asked to give a few comments on unity. I decided to go to the dictionary, find out really what the word meant. I was surprised. My dictionary is not the best in the world, but it had uh, about nine different comments on unity and um, six of them really applied to AA, to the fellowship. I'm sure that if you have better dictionaries, you've got more definitions, but I'd like to read them to you because um, it kind of gave me a, a new insight into what we're talking about when we talk about unity and AA. Number one the state or fact of being one. Number two, something that is wholly united and complete within itself. Three, a state of general concord, mutual understanding, harmony. And this is the one that I really like the best. It's the one I really didn't think about. Harmonious agreement of parts or elements into one united whole. And to me that really explains AA. Because each group is supposed to be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. The harmonious agreement of parts or elements into a united whole. Five, the condition or fact of being free from 
variety, or diversity. In other words, one-mindedness or single-mindedness. And the last one was a singleness or the consistency of purpose or action. It's been brought out, there's been several comments on unity, and it's been brought out that AA abounds with unity. And I believe that. But I think that unity is probably one of our most precious and most fragile gifts. It's something that we have to take very good care of. And of course the traditions are full of unity. They've been read and I'm not going to really comment on them. I think if you would go and take a half hour and sit down and read the traditions and think of them in terms of unity, you will find that they, at least the last six, keep us on our single-mindedness or our oneness of purpose. It keeps us out, it keeps us out of controversy and conflicts on outside issues. It, they keep us humble. The eleventh tradition is a tradition of humility. The twelfth tradition tells us to put principles before personalities. The first tradition tells us that our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. It's putting the individual alcoholic in his place, as far as I'm concerned. Because I think I'm a typical alcoholic. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little stranger than most, but I think I've kind of considered myself typical. Like I said, I like to control. I like people to ask me of my opinions. I like to have my opinions taken. And in time, I could get a pretty big head. I could have the head as the size of my hair. And I really don't think that would be good for AA or for me. And the traditions keep us from doing that. It talks about us being trusted servants. And I remember reading one time a comment that I really have always tried to remember in my service work, and that is that God did not save you to be a sensation. He saved you to be a servant. And I really try to approach whatever I do for AA in the context of a trusted servant. I don't know how successful I am. If I am not successful, I certainly hope to God somebody will tell me for my own good and for my group's good and for my district's good. Two other things I would like to say, just little quotations. One is I like to read our declaration. We owe to AA's this we owe to AA's future, to place our common welfare first, to keep our fellowship united, for on AA unity depends our lives and the lives of those to come. And the other one is I am responsible. When anyone anywhere reaches out for help, I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that I am responsible. I had a very interesting experience here about five years ago 
As I said before, my mother came into AA in 1953 in Medford, Oregon. And there were about seven members of the group at that time. She's maintained her sobriety all these years, but she hasn't been active in AA for probably the last 15. But five years ago, my father passed away, and I went out to Oregon for the funeral. And some of the first people I saw were AA people, people that had been in the group during the time that my mother was active. Some of those people my mother hadn't seen in 15 years. But when they read the announcement, in, when they read the announcement of my father's death in the paper, they were there. And they extended a great deal of love and understanding and caring, not only to my mother, but to me. There was one gentleman who I had babysat for when he first came in the program. And uh, my mother and I are not really very close, but my father and I were very, very close. And I really suffered a great deal over his passing. And this AA gentleman, who knew that I was in AA, came to the funeral and sat in the family section. He wore an old shirt and brought three handkerchiefs. And I used all three handkerchiefs and really messed up his shirt. I just cried all over him. There were, uh, and then he invited me over to his home. It was Easter Sunday. And he invited me over to his home to spend the rest of Easter Sunday. And then another gentleman who uh, my mother and I hadn't seen in all those years picked us up the morning that I was supposed to leave Medford and took us out to the airport, bought us breakfast, and was going to see me off. We got out there, and I couldn't find my ticket. And I was in a panic. I thought I'd left it in the motel. And he said, don't worry about it. And he pulled out his United Airlines credit card, and he said, we'll get you home. Well, I found my tickets in my suitcase. But, and, and, and he also discovered my suitcase didn't have a lock. And so he made the man behind the ticket counter wrap it with some twine to make sure it wouldn't open. Now, that... I've had a lot of experiences in my own life with AA Unity, but to me that probably is the most meaningful because even after 15 years, my mother and I were not forgotten. We're not forgotten by people who had known us before and who had admired and respected her sobriety, and they were there. And I think if each one of us would take time to think, we could see where the unity and the love of AA can come into our own lives. And if we can think upon unity on a personal basis and remember that it is a, tr a very precious commodity, then hopefully each one of us will feel responsible for continuing the unity of AA. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. I think maybe Jim could share a little bit with us now. And I still say that if any of you have a question to bring before these people, please stand up and ask it, and we'll do our best to find an answer for you. Jim? You know, a while back, I was, uh, some time ago, I read a phrase 
that came out of, I believe, how Bill sees it. And Bill Wilson said, at the moment an alcoholic walks through the doors of AA, his disintegration from life ends and his unification begins. And I sat back and I thought about that. And I thought how true it was for me. Because through my drinking uh, and the progression of alcoholism, I had slowly but surely disintegrated myself from everyone, everything around me. And through the help of some very, very special people to me uh, involved in our treatment facility here, uh, when I got out of treatment, uh, people in AA, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, I began to become unified. I began for the first time in my life to feel a part of something rather than a part from that I was. And for that I'm very thankful and I'm very grateful. I've heard this mentioned before and I feel no reason to change those words when I say that everything that I am and everything that I have today, including God who I understand, uh, as a result of the love and the sharing and caring that you people have given me. There came a time in my, in my personal recovery uh, and I'd never really given up until that time too much thought to the why it works, the 12 traditions of this program. One night I was sitting home and uh, didn't have much to do, so I got the 12 of 12 out and and I read that first tradition. And I think Lynn has, has done an excellent job of talking about the unity and the necessity and importance of the unity to this fellowship. But in that first tradition it says our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And for the first time, and as John said, I had read the words several times. They went on to explain, and I'm sure that many of you have read this, but uh, related the story of uh, Eddie Rickenbacker and his crew during World War II. Their plane had crashed in the middle of the ocean, and even though they were saved from death, they were still floating floating upon a dark and perilous sea. And it became very apparent and it became, they came to the realization that if any one of them became too selfish of food and water, that they would all be doomed to die. And they realized that I think the principle of the thing is that uh, 
they each as individuals had to be giving and unselfish for the concern of the whole because there again if one became too selfish they would all surely die and the only chance that they had was to was by the sharing of the food and water and things they had at their means at that time and the reality of the first tradition for me I believe got out of my head and into my gut and I realized at that moment that 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 AA comes first for me without you people you know I wouldn't be here and I always need to be aware of that I went to bed that night I felt very humble and I felt very fortunate and I don't know if any of you have experienced these feelings before but I felt so much joy inside of me that I just burst out in tears and I thanked God and I thanked the people in AA from the bottom of my heart and I said a prayer that night and I've been told before in this program be careful what you pray for you might get it and then decide that it wasn't what you wanted at all but I asked God at that time uh, because of the gratitude that I had within me if there was any way possible that that I could in some way give back some of the things that the people in Alcoholics Anonymous gave to me so freely I feel very honored uh, oh first of all I might say about three days later uh, our group was having uh, group officer elections and I walked in there and uh, anyway I was elected alternate GSR for that group and later uh, GSR and uh, a little later district committeeman and as I said before I didn't know anything about the service structure of AA other than what uh, I had had been related to me by a few other people uh, so I'd heard some people say that this is the politics you know it's not good uh, I think we hear this all the time uh, I went home that night and I opened the big book up and then on the last page there regarding spiritual experience there's a little message that hit home for me it's by Herbert Spencer there it says there's a principle which is a bar against all information which is proof against any argument and which will forever keep a man in everlasting ignorance and that principle is contempt prior to investigation and I thought back at the number of years I had contempt for anyone who said I had an alcohol problem that I should go to treatment that I should go to AA when I didn't know one damn thing about anything but I had preconceived judgments and uh, about things I didn't I knew little or nothing um, 
asked a friend of mine, um, I said, what's this uh, service thing all about? And he said, well, um, you just have to maybe go to some of these area and state level conventions and meetings and take the chance that you will discover something. Uh, and I thought back to that little message, which I just related, you know, and I thought, okay, I'm not going to uh, prejudge or anything. I'm just going to go and find out. Well, I thank God and I thank you people for giving me the opportunity to find out what little that I have so far. I believe, there again, this 12th step uh, that we have in our personal recovery, I believe there's a lot more to that than just relates to personal recovery. Uh, It goes a lot farther than that, as far as I'm concerned. It goes into areas which have been discussed so far. Sponsorship. Uh, participation, involvement at the group level, whether that is fixing coffee, setting up chairs, uh, chairing a meeting. It took a lot of service to get this thing that we have here today going. A lot of hard work, a lot of dedicated people within the program. I believe that uh, for me, uh, what time I have spent in uh, in the service structure, um, it's a fringe benefit for me because when I'm busy or trying to be busy, uh, thinking in terms of my group, my district, AA as a whole. Uh, working with others and working for others, it takes my mind off of me. And it helps me not to drift back into the fears, the resentments, um, self-pity, as the big book talks about. I feel, like I said, a part of rather than a part from. And I owe that to to you people and people like you. Uh, I'm not perfect and I hope that I never will be. And I think the um, one of the important words in that 12 step is that we try. Try. Carry the message. Now it doesn't say to me, preach, teach, talk. It says carry. Um, And I feel that the best way that I can try to practice that in all my affairs is simply to carry the truth with me on a day-to-day basis. Um, I just thank God for you people and... uh, I'm going to shut up now. I have a tendency sometimes to get a little rambly and uh, hope to listen. I hope to 
meet a lot of you and that I don't know uh, share. And I'm looking forward to a a real great um, jamboree. Thank you. Well, people like Lynn and Jim with service and unity, there's nothing left but by uniting those, it's good fellowship. And it makes my job so much easier. And I refer to and relate to fellowship because with unity and service tied together so closely, fellowship just naturally radiates from there out. There are many, many different forms of fellowship. There are the meetings you, as you go to various meetings, you find different elements of fellowship. They all end up in the same way. There's the, there's hard-nosed and there's loving kind and there's there's big bookers and there's uh, step groups and, and they all have their own brand of fellowship. But when it comes right down to it, it it's all there and it's all under the same package. It's just put out and, and dispensed in just a little different form. In closing, I'd like to relate a short paragraph of Fellowship's Future. It seems proved that AA can stand on its own feet anywhere and under any conditions. It has outgrown any dependency it might once have had upon the personalities or efforts of a few of the older members. New, able, vigorous people keep coming, into the, keep coming to the surface, turning up where they are needed. Besides, AA has reached enough spiritual maturity to know that its final dependence is upon God. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, panel. I have one more announcement that uh, Saturday, May the 3rd, 1 o'clock, 1.30, District 13 at Ogallala, Nebraska, will have GSR meeting, workshop. So if there are people here from that area, please bear it in mind and plan on attending that workshop. Well, we started a little behind time, so we'll end up just a little bit behind time, but that's normal. So if you'll rise, those that care to will join us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.